0: Hello, listener. Welcome back to uh, part two of this very special Area de Rigori ADR podcast. Uh, Maxi Angelo had to leave. As I said, he's working, but we have a very, very special guest for um, this, the, the the second part of, of this week, week 16. We had Martino Pucci on from the State of Play podcast before. This week we have Matt Sant'Angelo. How are you doing,
1: man? Lovely to get you on. I'm doing pretty well. It's uh it's a pleasure to be on with you and, uh, and talk football. It's, it's my biggest passion.
0: Lovely jubbly. If you want to just tell everybody where you're from and and who do you support and you know just the the common introduction.
1: Yeah, sure. So um yeah, I'm a I'll start the team. I'm a huge huge Milan supporter. So just like Maxi I've I've done a lot of work with Maxi. We've had him on our podcast, the State of Play Pod. Um, which is available on all platforms. Um, that's my little little plug there. Um, but yeah, Maxie's Max, Max hey, is a great guy. Where, where is it available? It is available on Apple, Spotify, but pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts, we're we're there. There you go. Um there there's there's the, the official official plug there. But um but yeah, Max is, uh Milan, I know I'm a Milan fan himself. I know I've uh, spoken to him at length quite a bit about Milan. Uh, in previous episodes on our podcast, and um, you know, I've seen what Zach has been doing here with you know, BTL and the, his podcast and the expansion of that whole whole brand. So um, yeah, it's just been a pleasure to you know chat with you guys and um, you know tell a little bit about myself. Which um, again, Milan fan. <laughs> I've been writing for for many years now. I've been featured in um, the Guardian. AS Roma's of English site which I know is uh, huge on social media but in general they they do a, little, a lot of great English content so go check them out um our podcast one of FCAs in 2020 so um yeah I I've, I've been around for quite a bit uh, have known to build a uh, pretty uh i guess loyal cult fan base i think a lot of people look to my hey. my my please win tweet on milan every uh every match day so yeah that's kind of me in, in a nutshell i don't want to talk too much
0: <laughs> oh that's a that's a fine introduction the the you've got a cult following the, the deadpool of <laughs> milan fans if you will
1: exactly
0: and yeah, to, to put it nicely but yeah it's, it's nice to get somebody on from uh else on from the State of Play podcast. It's lovely. Everybody that comes on says, oh, yeah, you know, I love Max. He's a great guy. And then with me, they go, who, who are you again? Yeah, honestly, I mean, from
1: the, from the very few minutes... Before, <laughs> no, I'm, jo- I'm joking. Well, listen, though, honestly, from the very few minutes we've we've chatted here, he seemed like a pleasant, pleasant, pleasant individual. And um, I'm, sure, I'm sure at the end of it, my, my, my opinion won't change. So, uh, again, it's a pleasure to be on with you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, hopefully it won't change. Hopefully it won't. Um, we have already gone through Napoli-Fiorentina um, was a big result this week. In terms of, normally we'd like to not just talk about the big clubs on here, we'd sort of talk about anything that sort of grabs our attention. In terms of the relegation fodder, um, there isn't really too much to talk about, mainly because everybody lost. Salernitana lost, Genoa lost, uh, Caleri lost, Venezia lost, everybody lost. Um lots more to talk with with uh Matthew himself let's dig straight into uh Juventus and Calori and everything going on in um the Juventus fan base world at the minute now um i just want to touch upon something before we get into the uh 2-1 win with Calori. there has been um warrants i believe not for the arrests of, of Agnelli or Nedvid, but there is uh, a call for bans. There is a um, call for fines. It was basically the, the scandal that happened earlier in the
1: year. Um, um, yeah, I mean, and, uh, there's probably the, a lot more people that can speak d- do you know more about deeply this? Uh, about you know the history of this and maybe Juventus' dealings and all that stuff and what maybe kind of boiled over to the position we're in now. But um, if you guys recall, those who are listening, you know, this has probably been something that's been... Um, uh, really started uh, with the Artur Mirlan uh, Miran transfer from a couple of years ago. The swap, um, if you will, pretty well. Pretty much both players had these sort of fictitious, um, at least in my eyes, and based on how I view the player themselves, um, fictitious value placed upon them. So pretty much what it was was like an even swap, player for player between Barcelona and Juventus um, for Artur and Mirlen Pjanic, in which both their fees or valuations were very much inflated relative to actual quality of the player in my opinion so you had pjanic being valued at around like 70 million and right look a good player he was at roma he was playing in more advanced roles he was able to get more goals some some more assists and in in parts of his juventus career he was you know one of their better players and one of their t- top midfielders but a player that's not worth 70 million in this market it's just it's just not there so uh, it really kind of derived from that. And then when it kind of came about that this was being under investigation, along with what was going on with Napoli's uh, transfer for Victor Olseman a couple of years ago, I think that's where it ultimately derived from. Now, people can point back to previous years where you had a lot of Juventus um, you know, academy players being kind of sort of sold around Serie A and some of the provincial sides um You're like R- uh, Rolando Madrigora going for like 15 mm. to 20 million, and some of these other players going for like 10 to 12, and they didn't even play a single minute of Serie A football. And you're like, why are these teams that are really not they're... big spenders spending 15 to 20 million on unproven academy players? Like, they normally don't go that way. So I think that's kind of where this sort of thing stems from.
0: Yeah. I think. Right. The the um I mean they're calling it the Prisma scandal. Uh Juventus is one of the clubs embroiled in it. Basically what's going on, the federal prosecutors launched an investigation related to capital gains, um, allegedly been registered in un unlawful manners, but but like like you said, Matt, it was mainly through uh inflated transfer fees. The Banchenary saw um different transfer dealings being put into the loop, but the ones that were you already touched upon Pijanic and Arthur, but the ones highlighted to the persecutor, the deals related to uh, Nicola Rovella and Manolo Portanova with Genoa. And there's also the um, the move of Emil Odoro's move to Sampdoria. So just to um, put more detail into the moves that you said. Now, um, Juventus president, Andrea Agnelli, the, the guy who basically led the Super League, keeps the face of it. He is facing a 12-month ban whilst former Czech... Um, Czech Republic superstar, uh, footballer, but, but now vice president of Juve, Pavel Nedved, and CEO Maurizio Aravena, could be set for eight-month suspensions. Um, but the, the the biggest ban, I think this is when it gets more interesting for me, the biggest ban was is possibly going to be reserved for a club director that's not even with Juve now. He's with Tottenham Hotspur, former director of Fabio Paratici. Um, he's also facing a 16-month ban for his role in 32 Suspicious, uh transfer. Now the list also includes Napoli president Aurelio De Laurentiis and former Genoa and Sampdoria patrons, Enrico Prosi and Massimo Ferrero. Um, the 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 club itself might get fined eight hundred thousand euros. So we will see what what occurs with that. It's not good news for for Juventus or the um Agnelli and Nedved in in particular. So interesting developments regarding that now going towards the playing side Juve had a very ugly win against Cali this, this past week now i don't think that i've seen um juventus the juventus time time uh, timeline this angry before when when they've won um it, it before the inter lost last week it was 15 unbeaten but i think regardless of that and i think there was always going to be this Max Allegri coming in, who for me is one of my favourite managers just because of the sheer banter and the sheer hilarity of him. Um, but but Juve fans are, are losing their patience. But you guys won. Like, OK, yeah, it was an ugly win against Caleri and uh, there were certain things that possibly could have gone better. But Max Allegri is literally dealing with a whole host of injuries at the minute. He doesn't have Chiesa. There's no Locatelli. Morata was suspended. This He was literally leading with Quadrado on the right and Rabia on the left wing. Pellegrini was was the fullback. Um, I thought De Litt had a good game. I think what seems to be angering Juventus fans is the fact that they think that they could be doing more at this stage or they could be playing a lot better. Having said that, Kailuri... Scored with the only shot that they had in the first half and then the result, the, the remainder of the second half was just basically Juventus pondering and trying to get a second goal. As it so happened, they got that second goal just through sort of a freak deflection. I think um, Dybala played it through to uh, Vlahovic. Vlahovic shoots, it comes off a uh, calorie defender and goes in. And then for the final twenty five minutes, um, or fifteen, sorry, it's just peak Max Allegri, where it's like, all hands to the pump, defend when you can, and we will get the three points. Look,
1: it's you may not like it, UV fans, but it is working. And I think the one thing I I, I look at with Max Allegri, um, and any team that he has coached, right, um, which you know going back to the Milan side, the one last one, the Scudetto, um, in twenty ten, twenty eleven. I mean, you had your star power, you had your Ibrahimovic, you had your Robinho, Cassano, um, you know, Thiago Silva. Like, you had your guys, you had your old guard, right? Like, you had your Nestas, your Zambrotas, and those are the guys eventually left a year after. And I look at the similarities between the kind of squad build that he has with his Juventus side. And even when he first coached Juventus, right, he had his premier players. And then he had his more veteran guys, that old guard of the of of of. Those who know what it takes to win at Juventus and what it means to represent the club Buffon, Chiellini, Bonucci, Parzai, like all those guys, right? The squad build right now is different, but I think a lot of the same issues um, that were persisting with previous coaches, you know, Andre Pirlo last year, previously Marizio, Sarri, and even in the latter spell of uh, Allegri's first term, is there's a lot of um, dead weight, a lot of players that, in in my opinion, don't really quite. you know, reach that level of being a Juventus type player, a Juventus caliber player. Mm. Um, well, who, who, for instance, like well, who, who would you get rid of in, I the, mean, in the summer? Adrian Rabiot, um, when he came over from, from PSG on a free transfer, I think that there was some hype around him. You know, he had some promise and you come from PSG, you're not actually going to get a lot of more attention. And this was sort of when PSG were, yeah. you know, mid 2010s, you know, late 2010s, a team that was on the rise. So with that being on the rise, you're like, wow, we're able to scoop up a, a starter for PSG for free it makes it makes an impression but i think as you slowly started to see that a lot of these players that juventus were bringing in on free transfers um they weren't quite cut out for it it's a different league it's a different expectation uh, expectation different demand when you're playing for juventus and teams of that nature so from from a squad standpoint i think that what allegri has given the injuries that you touched upon off the top of this segment darnish i think it's kind of where a lot of people um You know, if you looked at them coming into the season that, yeah, maybe the hopes and the ambitions were for a title. But I think as you started to see the results in the beginning of the season, the first half, you're like, this isn't going to be as easy as we thought it would be to be a team competing for a title. And it's crazy because when we're talking about Juve, they think they're sixth, seventh in the table. And like they're a team that's what, a a handful of points, seven, eight points, give or take um, from the title, like from being first place. It doesn't feel that way. So when I look at Juventus as a, as, as a whole this year, results like this don't, don't surprise me. And I, I think that if you're, and this is something I was thinking and pondering to myself before we even went live, was if you know what Allegri is, he's shown you the type of coach he is, he's shown you his pragmatism. Yep. And results like this, it's like if you're expecting him to, through 32 games to say, wow, Allegri all of a sudden just going to play this sort of smash mouth, aggressive attacking football and chain and, and can shock us all. I think you're kind of dreaming and if you're really not watching the games, right? That's how I feel. That's like if Pep Guardiola all of a sudden was saying, you know what, I'm gonna play super, super defensive and I'm not even gonna attack against a middle of a paper team. Yeah. It
0: started. I'm just surprised at um like what else do you expect, Venice fans? Um, now maybe you know we we joke all the time me and max on this podcast we're we're big uh allegri aficionados if you will um but you uh you have 62 points you're 6 away from the top okay granted if 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 inter win their game in hand you'd be seven off the top but this is not you're still in transition um you knew what you were going to get with allegri before the season began what else would you like who else would you like to take you into uh, essentially a team that is that still needs a lot of tweaking. This is still a defensive team that l- relies on Kilini at the back. Um, now, one of Chiellini or Bonucci is going to retire soon. I'm, obviously, it's, I'm guessing it's going to be Kilini Maybe you'll you'll probably need another centre-back. But I don't think Juve have too much to... Com- Juve fans should be complaining too much with A, the amount of points they have, um, B, the fact that... It's Allegri. Like, he said it himself. If you want an entertainment, go to the circus. Um, now, I'm not I'm not telling Juve fans to actually get subscriptions to
1: the circus. No. I've, I've never been myself. But I think they should just be happy with, with what they have, basically. And I also think I look at Juventus too, right? Go, go Going back to squad players, and I think it's important people say, you know, well, look what Milan is doing with you know maybe much less of a wage bill and you know they're in a different position they're ahead of juventus in the table despite having you know significantly less in terms of what they shell out in wages but i think you you have to look to what Allegri has and the fact that you know it says something when you know when he took the job to come back people even said all right we got Allegri back like we finally have this coach that knows what it takes to win here right yeah I mean, it's what you still look at some the of their parts. Like you still look at like Alexandro, for instance, you're giving him steady starting minutes and he's been on the decline for two, three years. Now you're looking at the defense that you just mentioned, right? Where Chiellini getting big, significant minutes, despite his 37, 38 year old age, they're giving Rugani minutes in like champions league games. And he, this was a player that Really hasn't been anything for Juventus in the past three, four years. He's been kind of a bench player. There were expectations that he would be very, very good, along with uh, Mattia Cadara and and Alessio Romagnoli as that kind of next guard for the Italian national team. Mati Deschigio, like a lot of these guys that you looked at the squad even coming into the season, you're thinking to yourself, these guys can't be here next summer.
0: So if you're going to
1: make that sort of assumption, you're going to make that sort of, um, you know, uh, assertion of what the squad is and then expect Allegri to just to kind of all of a sudden exactly, yeah. replicate what he did in his first spell the club i think it's unrealistic and i think you're not watching enough of what allegri um, has done as a coach but also not maybe understanding that the guys just not going to just all of a sudden change his way of doing things i think this is what's worked it's a tried and true way of him getting results and this is a results based business everyone wants the sexy champagne football that they can put into a gif or a video and share on twitter and let it go let it go social media uh, Frenzy. At the same time, it is a results based business. Exactly. Yeah. Look at what Saudi did. You brought in Sari, you let go of Allegri because you wanted to play more attractive football. You bring in Sari because that was the type of football that fans were hoping and clamoring for because of what he did at Napoli, despite not winning anything. Then you bring in Sari, you don't get him the, the right guys, and you're stunned that he doesn't get the right results that you expected. So I, I think that it's just one of those things where it comes with the territory of supporting a club. If you're a Juventus fan, that has high ambitions of winning the title. And there's something to be said about them being the team that snapped their scutati run. And I think that's what's kind of a little bit sitting differently with them. And that's what's making them a little bit more frustrated at the moment.
0: Yeah. um, I don't think there's a manager who would have gotten more points for Juventus this season. Um, You might have had a manager that plays better. Like you might have seen... If Vincenzo Italiano was the coach of Juve, right this year, you'd probably see good football, but there would be a lot of teething issues, and they'd be maybe sixth or seventh in the table. Um, the Allegri is getting uh, a tune out of this team the way he can, and he's getting points from them. Also, this lineup and this squad is a mishmash of three managers. Pirlo had one year, Sari had one year. Um, now you've gone back to Allegri, like you said, um, and and. I don't. I just don't. I just think that these are very lofty ambitions for a side that you already knew needed changing a lot, and it's going to need more changing in the summer. Um, I always go back to an interesting quote that Sadi said the year he won the Scudetto. Even the year when they when he won Scudetto, they were still very upset with him. Um, uh, they expected more, but he said that me and the players we sat down, we had a conversation, and we decided that we are going to do it. Um, either one of two ways. One way was going to be. We do it my way, and we we learn my football. Or number two, we we do it in the way where we can basically win the scudetto, but we don't play the football that I want. They did it the right. second way, and they won the scudetto. I just think it's Juve and this whole thing of like they're one of the biggest teams in Italy, and the this whole scudetti run has been has been chopped. But um, if they get Allegri a better summer, then I think there will be uh. Possibly in line for Skeleto challenges next uh, next year. We've we've talked quite a bit about Juve there. Let's dive into the Milan clubs at the top battling. You are the Milanisti. Take me through what it happened again. Um, for, to to uh, a nil nil draw against Torino on Monday. Basically, I think the same problems are happening. The offense has just
1: really stagnated in the in the last few weeks it's been it's been a not even the last few weeks it has been a problem um you know that i think many people have seen through the past month month and a half um that maybe the result i think since early
0: i want to say since i would say early, early i would say probably early
1: january early january
0: yeah maybe you could say early january i, I would say, i would go back to say early january i think after the 3-1 win against roma um and then you sort of had the 1-0 wins and the 1-0 wins and the we are uh, going to defend so well now and hopefully something will happen when we score past the layout. Um, some hopefully he'll do something. Uh, and then if that doesn't work, who fit to Ibra and who fit to Giroud and then see if
1: we can get runners in behind. Is that, is that right? Or? That's basically what the, the sort of uh, recipe is now, or the sort of approach that they've looks like they've been taking with the attack. And it's unfortunate because I think, you know, you look back to some of the results they had, um, you know, throughout most of the season here. I mean, they, they, Beat Inter in the Derby, overturning that. That was two little moments, right? There was moments. This this Milan team feels like a team of moments. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, in that game against Inter, the first half they were dominated. Um, second half, they started better. Yeah. They 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 you know Brahim Diaz came on, who I'll talk a little bit about in just a few minutes. And then it was in a matter of a pocket of time, five six minutes. It's Giroud getting two quick goals, and all of a sudden everyone's like, "Wow!" Like Milan two one like. The, the, the issues are you paper over the paper over the issues and uh, everything's good, right? Everything's good when you're winning, no matter how it happens. It's results. It's three points. Mm. And getting back to what I just said with Allegri, results. Everyone wants results at the the end of the day. No matter how many, how much they tell you, they want attractive football. They'll trade attractive football for the result any day of the week. They will. Of course. Um, uh, that's that's are business, in it. like you said. It, it matters. The results matter. Um, but then you go back to the the mid February fixtures against Loretana. Um, which they drew. They had to come from behind to to get something from there, a late Ante goal, drawn to Udinese 1-1. Um, and then that stretch from, from that point forward that we're at now currently discussing is disappointing and kind of uh, an eyesore, but I don't think it's something that is surprising to many Milan fans and anyone who just watches mm. Serie A in general – Given the squad that that Stefano Pioli has and the options and the names he has in the attack, because look at it—it's a lot of one-one-one-zero results defensively. As you mentioned, they're they're a pretty st- sound team. You know, even when Pioli went fair. down, Romagnoli was injured. They had to the thrust uh, Pierre Kalulu, who's who's come on really well this season, despite you know being very young and still maybe not an actual centre back, but he's playing the job extremely well. They're getting clean sheets and it looks good, and it's results. But one zero away to Napoli, great result. One zero to Empoli at home. One zero away against Cagliari, and then you yep, drop yep. two duds in, in in draws against Bologna and Torino. So it's 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 between the 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 offensive um, uh, blackout and the fact that they are able to handle the. The more difficult opponents much easier and get better results and do them more in a consistent fashion and more impressive fashion. That's what I think is really the more frustrating part. And I think the point we're at now with this Milan side is it's not a conversation that I'd like to have regarding, um, will Milan need a right winger? They need a number 10, they need a striker. Those things cannot desperate be fixed for a right winger, desperate for a right winger. You cannot have it, cannot
0: the, fix something and Junior Messiah's trade blows for it's just um, not enough. For the it's, right it's wing next enough. season. I we've
1: seen enough of these players. Even Brahim, I think he's gotten a ton of minutes. Um, he deserves criticism. I know he was pretty good pre uh, pre COVID. He picked up COVID, and he's kind of been um, getting a lot of minutes. But he's not really doing uh, enough Anything. minutes to really give people that hope and that confidence with the number ten shirt that he is in fact their number ten going forward. So you know his his job is under question. But I think that's kind of where we're at. That's the conversation, and that's something I tweeted about, like after the uh, the the, the draw to Torino. um, There's no point in dwelling on and discussing what Milan need. Everyone who watches this team knows they need a right winger. They know they need players in the attack because if it's not Leao, you one v one dribbling by a defender and creating something, or Giroud pulling pulling something out via header or you know an opportunist type goal, where where's where's the goal coming from? They're not getting a lot of penalties. Right, that was a discussion that happened last year. Well, they're getting a lot of penalties. They're scoring goal from the penalty spot. I think Kessie had like ten penalties scored. The midfielders don't score enough goals. You know, Benicera is not a goal scoring midfielder. He scored a winner a couple weeks ago. He's not a goal scoring uh, midfielder. Sandro Tonali isn't. Frank Kessie isn't. So I think that's where you have to look at with this Milan team um, and see where that's where the clear and obvious problems and issues lie. But those cannot be fixed now. So now it's it's up to Pioli to do what he's done f- through most of his tenure here is, all right, well, I don't have, you know, a DiBala, I don't have a Vlahovic. I don't have mm. a, um, you know, Nikolo could score a goal from the midfield or, you know, uh, you know, someone like that right now. How am I going to get results? It's gotta be someone like Brahim stepping up. It's gotta be able. It the, the the goals have got to come from somebody else. It can't just be yeah hope and a prayer and somehow Milan find a way to get a a goal because it's 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 not gonna work.
0: Yeah, uh, I th- I think offensively purely must try something new if if it's gonna be now or never for the Scudetto. I know that a lot of milanistes and like yourself have, are saying, we need a new number 10 and we need a new right winger. And then we'll be ready to challenge for Scudetto next season. But having said that, I definitely think that you will look back. If you don't win Scudetto this year, you will look back and think there was a, a what if moment for me. There's a lot of drop points in there. There's a lot of the, the game against Spezia. Okay. It was a controversial refereeing decision. Um, the complacency the, the, in January. The, the drop, yeah, the, the draw right. against Udinese, uh the, the draw against Elinitana, there's just certain games where you could have maybe gotten over the line and gotten a couple more points and and, and we could be sitting here talking about you having 72 points right now instead of 68. Yeah. Um, but you need to find new... I, I, I'm going to... Sound like I'm repeating myself, but I said it last week. You need to find new ways of attacking offensively because the goals have just dried up. You've only scored three in your last uh, what is it, five games? And of those uh, five, uh, in those in the goals of those five games, they're just literally a moment of like Ben-Acer. brilliance from
1: somebody. Benasser, right? Yeah, Benasser, Kalulu, and, and the, the um, winner
0: at the edge of the box, and then just and then just um, Giroud being a fox in the box against Napoli, right? Yeah, you guys uh, attack best or you look in your best flow when you press high, right? When you have all your forwards pressing high, when Brahim presses high, when Tonali and Benessa press high as well, that has
1: sort of gone away now as well. I think maybe because we're in the dog days of the campaign. Possibly. I mean, I think a lot of people have, you know, they pointed to the fact that Milan finished fourth in their Champions League group and they were like, okay, well, we don't have to play Europe League football. So that's going to be a blessing for a team that um, you know, it doesn't have the the, the quite a, the quite amount of depth that maybe it would require to really see out a full title chase. Um, but also, you know, withstand injuries, right? It feels like now it's it's not even an injury issue. It's just okay, we have the guys back. Oh yeah, but that the was injuries. that was that was uh, despite all the injuries, the Milan injuries, they were able are to overcome those earlier in the season. And uh, you look, you make make a case that okay, well, the legs were fresher. You know, you can you know to your point, you can press a little bit. You can get by yeah. with you know. The, the, the desire and the energy and a lot of the qualities that Pioli has been able to instill the intangible qualities, not the technical superstar or the player that can do X, Y, and Z and really run a game. The things that made this Milan under Pioli what it is. And I think a lot of those things now can only get you so far, right? Because I think the Milan have become so predictable to play against where they know the ball is going to get swung out left. There's going to be a yeah. heavy overload and emphasis on playing down the left side because you're two most, um, uh, biggest threats in Leao and Tejo hernandez they overlap a lot they are quick they like to carry the ball forward take guys on there's a really big predictability with this team that is tough to shake at this point in time because it's how you're going to really change that in hmm. a game or two so i think now you, the conversation has to shift to who else is going to step up brahim did it last year down the stretch, right? When they had some difficult results and they truly needed to put some wins together, they got the big win against Juve in, in, against in Turin. List, yeah. They had a really big big win against Torino and then they won on the final match day also against Atalanta and it was Kessie, it was Bahim, it was Rebic who hasn't been able to really pick up second half Rebic form, right? That he did the previous two seasons. So I'm just looking to see where the goals are going to come from. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure
0: what has happened I'm not really sure what's happened to um Ante Rebic. He just doesn't look. I I know he's. Uh, I think he's he got injured again, right? Injured in 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 one mail in, in
1: one morning. Yeah, there was four players that were were scratches for the last game against you know Samu Ibrahimovic, Rebic, and Benasere. So it's it's almost as if it's like Milan need all hands on deck, and even if they have all hands on deck from an attacking standpoint, they're still finding it difficult. So we'll see. I mean, look, they 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 have Genoa Friday. Um, at the time of recording, it's it's Wednesday. I don't know when you guys put this up, but uh, that's another relegation team. That's a team that's in nineteenth right now. A team that has been pretty much in relegation zone and a relegation type down team for a couple of years now. That could be the game if they don't get a win here. I I really start to struggle with how they can they can win the scudetto at that point.
0: Yeah, General the draw specialists. Um, Sixteen draws currently. It might be the same game again for for Milan to play, so it's uh, it feels like they they keep coming up against the same challenge and, and can't seem to crack it. So Friday is going to be a very very important and big three hours in the Scudetto race. Both Milan clubs playing within, I think, two hours of each other. It's good, good Easter Friday. Um, I don't know if you have you you have
1: good Easter Friday. Yeah, in America, good Friday. Right? Yeah, good Friday. So I am a, I'm a Catholic, so yeah, we do have Good Friday and then uh, yeah, Easter Sunday.
0: I just, I just wanted to make sure because things are different in, in different countries, but I'm guessing Good Friday is all around the world. So um, Inter play at 6 against Spezia and then Milan play at uh, 7.45 against um, Genoa. Let's move on to talk about the cross-town city rivals and Inter getting a 2-0 win against Hellas Verona. It just feels like that in the same way the the Giroud win in Dabri della Madonnina sort of tilted momentum towards Milan, that win against Juve, where I don't think they should have even drove, but they won, tilted momentum to Inter side now.
1: I think with this Inter team too, and I think that's, you make a great point there, because I think, you know, everyone can look to a team um, that wins a title, wins a Champions League, and a lot of times it's it's very... It's it's very hard to to kind of say well you know a team just kind of wrote they wrote they they controlled everything from start to finish. There's always a moment in each winner's path towards a victory where you look at like all right this result can either it can go either way, and depending on which way it goes can really alter the rest and outcome of the season as we know it, right? And I think that given where Milan were heading into their that that, that last weekend, and then Inter having Juve. I think the perception was, wow, Milan got a pretty easier opponent here. They win, Inter lose. Uh, the gap is starts to kind of broaden and thicken there. And then they're looking over their shoulder thinking, wow, like Milan dropped points and we are able to win a big derby. And a derby is always something that can really propel a club forward and really build insane momentum. And I think that's what we can kind of start to see here with Inter. And I think it's unfortunate as a Milan fan to be saying that, but I, I, I genuinely look at the, 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 the squad that, that Inter has. That I think that taste of the title last year is something that's going to really play the rest of the way this year. You got you got guys who know what it takes to to win, and when the going gets tough and it gets some difficult results like Inter had, and even Simone Nzagi was coming out in media and it seemed as though like the kind of the, the the struggles were getting to him and the squad. That result against Juve could be that that defining moment that turned Inter's season around and ultimately helped them get in the driver's seat and and and, and you know. Go back to back for the for, for the Scudetto. So I I, I look at this inter team and I just think top to bottom, most people had them um uh, maybe not the consensus favorite coming into this season because of the reasons we know Conte, Hakimi, and Lukaku. But a team that was very strong, let's mm. be honest. Defensively, they have three premium defenders, yes, they have yes, good yes. wing backs. Um Pettisic, you know, they got uh, Dumfries. <laughs> You know, Damian's been reborn at Inter despite you know, kind of bouncing around the previous, previous clubs. The attack with you know, Dzeko having a good start to the season has, has kind of tapered off. Um, but the, the, the nucleus of that Scudetto-winning team under Conte is still there. So I think what Inter is doing, and if Inter were to win the title, I don't think it'll really surprise anyone. I just think in maybe so much in the fact that, wow, Milan are in the thick of things for the title. With above Juve above Napoli. So I think that's kind of where the conversation is. But real quick, I think just going back to Milan just for a brief moment here, because it's, it's it perspective is everything, mm. right? At the beginning of the season, with the squad that Milan had, Right. if I told me as a Milan fan, the rest of the fan base, through 32, 33 games, Milan aren't actually going to be in first place. They're, they're going to be leading the Scudetto. People would say, yeah. would you take that? Oh yeah, of course we would take that. Mm. The squad that we have, of course, right? Of course it's you would, all yeah, perspective. Of course. It's all perspective. But
0: it just... Also, just to, just to add something there, uh, we've talked about it all year, and you mentioned it earlier. Pioli has been amazing for Milan, but he's gotten the most out of this team when he hasn't got everything that he wanted uh, or when he has everything that he needs available to him. Um, I always make the, the metaphor of he's he's trying to make this cake But he doesn't have sugar one week or he doesn't have flour another week or he doesn't have baking soda another week. But he says, "Okay, fine, I'm going to make this cake as best as I can with the ingredients that I do have. But in in doing that, it feels like it's slowly coming to a point where that is now being exhausted and him sort of making this um, makeshift
1: system is, is sort of being exhausted as well. Yeah, I, I would agree there. I mean, there's calls for a, a formation switch to a four-three-three, um, playing all their. I mean, yeah, he, but he loves, but he loves a four-two-three-one. <laughs> he loves a four-two-three-one, and it's it's worked. I guess it's worked. Well, course, it's not a shake something that's worked, right? It's what he's been playing ever since he came to the club, and he doesn't have the, the wing wing quality to. Like it's one thing if you're going to say, look, we're going to sacrifice wingers to get another forward up there. So we're going to play with a a striker and a second striker. That's fine. Or, hey, you know, we're going to try and get more uh, attacking options up there. So we're going to throw an extra winger on there. I can get that. But Salamakers, Messias, Brahim, rebic none of those guys are in form right now. So I I don't think it's good to be compromising the shape that's got you to to this point. It's just a matter of the the guys that you're thrusting out onto the field and and hoping to produce have to produce something like it's really about, all right. Like I, I, I that's the thing I kind of struggle with um, as a, a purely apologist. Cause I think the guy's done a great job with this team, but if you had a team that as, as big as Milan is brand and, and ambitions and history and culture and all that stuff, finishing second in the Scudetto last year, if you had Liverpool put Liverpool in there, I know the money's different, but let's say Liverpool were in, in the depths and they came up and they barely were, were close to the Scudetto. They had a good push close to the though. And then you yeah. just didn't back them the next year in the summer to get players. Yeah. It would be you would feel some type of way. I'm not saying Pioli does, but it's really hard to no, put I, a lot of the blame on the guy where I don't clearly think they needed something offensively. I don't think they needed something any offensively in January and they didn't get it, well, other than a striker, a teenage striker. Right? Like you're lucky that Kalulu's been able to play the job he's done at center back. Otherwise you'd be playing Matie Gabbia, who is still a very much a largely unknown type central defender. So he's had to really kind of, to your point, pull things out of nowhere and make it work. And he has, but I think people need to also understand that. I mean, he's a good coach. He's done a great job, but he's not like a, a football god in a coaching sense. Like it's just, you, at some point there's limitations to what you have.
0: Yeah. It's, especially with the with the circumstances that have occurred under him. Um, but I do think, I've said it many times on this pod, I think purely has... Has done a fantastic job coaching wise and tactics wise, and a surprisingly good one because I don't think that anybody expected him to do this well in the first place. Um, in in terms of Inter, uh, Hellas Verona were actually pretty bad in this game. I, I thought that you know Caprari, who was a favourite, Simeone. I know there was no Barak. Um, I think they maybe created one chance. When they didn't take that chance, there was a lot of unforced errors where Inter were just easily exploiting. Uh, Ivan Perisic was imperious on the left side, kept going down that side, and um, Hakan was causing overloads with him. They were getting the ball into the box for, for Zeko and, and Correa, who, Correa, who's who's coming in for, for Lautaro uh, in, in this game. But I, I, I do think that Verona were actually just pretty bad like
1: into into a better but but I expected more from Hellas you'd assume that right I mean I think Verona are a team that um, you know in previous years they were never a team that was going to push for Europe they had moments where okay they're in good position maybe they can surprise everyone but I think as the season progresses they kind of fell off um, and you look to Verona for the fact that under Ivan Jorich not Ivan Juric, I'm sorry um, with with the, with the team that they have, and the fact that they are a team that you know has proved has been uh, proven to take points from some some of the better sides that they would come up with a little bit more, given the fact they had Simeone. Barak has been good, um, you know, all these sorts of or factors that come into play. And it's just sometimes it's just interest moment. And and I think that you look to unsung heroes. And as I mentioned, the moments, right? I think in a title push, it's that you it's that Juve victory that I think is going to ultimately turn it over for them. Now look, I could be wrong. This week on Friday. Inter can drop points. Milan can win. And the the, the conversation shifts to a whole nother thing. <laughs> but like it was a couple of weeks ago, but as things stand right now, I just think that Inter are able to manufacture wins in a different way. When, even if their stars are not maybe at their best, like Jekyll, when Jekyll had a really big performance before, you know, obviously, you know, um, getting a goal this past weekend, he's kind of fell off and he had a good start to the season, but he's fell off. And Salernitana. Salernitana. I mean, even Lautaro Martinez, like... Goes <laughs> but it was...
0: That was a whipping boys game, really. That was a whipping boys game.
1: He goes through... And he goes through spells. Look, Latar Martinez goes through spells where he doesn't score for, for weeks. So it hasn't been the conventional uh, title-type season for Inter. Because, but they had to overcome a little bit of adversity with losing the players. You know, having to um get through some difficult rough rough patches in the season and, and they're making it work. And I think you have to also credit them because I think your people could say, well, you know, if you thought Verona would bring more, they didn't bring more. Yeah, but and to get a clean sheet at home and it's two zero. That's at this point of the season, those are the results that mean everything. Mm, I don't know. I on, honestly honestly
0: I honestly I, I was expecting at least a little bit more from from Hellas Verona, but it does seem as though the title is just, just Shifting week on week on like momentum, um, on like the smallest and and finest the margins. Inter were dead in the not dead in the water, but like winning two out of eight. I think it was um after after that draw to Fiorentina, and now they if they if they win their their game in hand or. Well, it might not be a game in hand. They might just get a 3-0 win against Bologna and it might just get suspended. Um, so I think that the title is going to go down to the wire. That is actually all we have time for this week on uh, on ADR. Matt, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, we will be back covering more Serie A, more Italian football, more of the enthralling title race next week. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening on whether it's Apple, Spotify or... Uh, BreakingTheLines.com itself. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.